podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. Wanted to give some quick notes on the first three matches, my kind of my general impressions. And then I have an interview with Ben Hayward to talk about those first three games of FC Barcelona and also to talk about some La Liga. But first, I just want to talk about the team in general right now. This moment right now reminds me of, uh, as a 49er fan, when we went from a transition of two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, Joe Montana and Steve Young, and into that transition of having unknown quarterbacks. Now, we have been super blessed to watch this team since 2008 just rip it up. Just having one of the best midfields of all time, one of the best players of all time, where we went into a match knowing 95% of the time we were going to win a match. I mean, that's pretty impressive, right, in any type of sport. And now we're in complete transition. This is what happens. It's really difficult when you're coming from a Hall of Fame midfield and a Hall of Fame player like Messi and to transition to the team that we have right now. It's going to take some time to get used to, for sure. We've been very lucky for the last 10 to 15 years watching this team dominate the way they have. And now there's just going to be a lot of uncertainty into almost every match. Now, with these first three matches, we saw a little bit of this. We saw some good open play in Real Sociedad. We saw some shaky defense against Athletic. And then, of course, in Hitafe, we saw that we could not hold possession. And as I saw a bunch of memes online, it was, was Hitafe playing Hitafe yesterday. So in this moment right now, we just have to be really patient. I mean, we were, I, I can't stress this enough. It is, you know, it's one of those things. I, when I started watching NFL football, I was blessed to be locked in as my first team as the San Francisco 49ers with Joe Montana. I did not realize how difficult finding a top-notch or decent quarterback, let alone a Hall of Fame quarterback, was. And that is the issue that we're going to have as Barca fans, finding the best midfielders again, the best strikers again. We're just in a flux right now, and this is just part of it. And what makes it worse, obviously, is the, the point that we cannot sign players. So, you know, you have all these answers that you could possibly sign these players, but you can't because we just don't have the money. As we saw today as I'm recording, Emerson just left for Spurs, basically, and Ilyash Moriba is headed to Leipzig. So that's the first thing. Second thing is Griezmann. I mean, this poor guy. I mean, we all know, first of all, that he should have never came to this club. He was never a Barca player, but he is now. He's been on the team, and he is the best player we have, all-around player. Right, I understand that Memphis right now is getting all the credit with the goals, but Griezmann has had more international success, has won a La Liga without Barca, and he is a world-class player. Now, we've all seen the stats. First three matches, zero goals, zero shots, zero assists. It's just not good. And Kuman has to really look in this international break. This has to be his top priority is to get Griezmann playing world-class again. Because we already have Memphis scoring goals and doing the action. I mean, when you see Memphis with the ball, you think of something exciting is going to happen. But with Griezmann, 
Right now, he just doesn't have the confidence. And Kuman needs to make this his top priority during this international break. Finding a wrinkle, finding a formation. I mean, this is the moment where you cannot be satisfied with these performances. Yes, we've gotten points. We're right there in the thick of it. But at the same time, we just need Griezmann for this season. If we have Griezmann underperforming, it's going to be such an inconsistent season. But if we have Griezmann playing at top level like he was in Atletico, then all of a sudden you have him linking up with Memphis, and that is a formidable duo. My last thought is the midfield. This is, this is difficult because I've watched a lot of football these past couple weeks, especially since I've been on vacation. And, you know, it still, it still fascinates me that the first touch in world-class football and possession is one of the most difficult things to happen. We, again, I can't stress this enough. We had a Hall of Fame midfield that made first touch and possession look so easy. And in yesterday's game, for example, we had such a hard time just connecting the defense to the midfield to the attack. I mean, how many times did we do long balls? We were just kind of resorting to that. And that's what it is. Hitafe did a really good job of scouting, especially with their new manager with Michel. Understanding, like everyone does, Barca's DNA and what they want to do, and they were trying to prevent that from happening. So again, you know, you know my feelings on Kuman. Kuman is he's handed, he's handcuffed right now, but at the same time, he's got to show some thinking outside the box to unlock this team. Now I know we didn't have Pedro yesterday, that would have helped as well. But at the same time, you know, this is another thing of why Griezmann is underperforming. He's not getting the proper service. So these are just kind of my quick thoughts. Again, it's just going to be a really inconsistent season. And La Liga is completely wide open. I, I don't think La Liga has been this wide open since maybe, what, 2005, 2006, basically, when all the teams were able to have a chance of winning La Liga. I mean, we've seen now Real Madrid is doing, you know, winning games, Sevilla. I mean, all these teams, you know, especially last night with Atletico getting that lucky goal from that own goal, which was crazy. So, again, La Liga is super wide open. And I'm actually looking forward to it because... For once, we may have new talent, new players to watch. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting for me. I'm, I'm really excited because I know now every game is going to be a, a roller coaster of emotions, essentially. Really quick, just want to get through some Barca Talk announcements. Really quick, if you guys want more exclusive content like our WhatsApp community, which has been on fire, especially during the matches, I love that so much. Just the connection that we have with everyone from around the world think about joining our patreon community it's only five dollars a month and also the last thing if you guys can help review and rate uh barca talk that would help us tremendously now after the commercial break i speak with ben hayward about fc barcelona's first three games and his la liga impressions so i'm joined with ben hayward Friend of the pod here. We're going to talk some FC Barcelona, get your first impressions of the first three matches and also kind of get La Liga impressions as well. Ben, how you doing? Hi, Gabriel. Yeah, good, thanks. How about you? Crazy summer, right? Yeah, crazy, crazy summer. We've been texting throughout with all the transfers going on and it's still continuing as we record because Emerson, the new acquired fullback, is headed to your team, to the Spurs. He just got acquired. And also the other talk is that Ilyash Moriba is headed to Leipzig, and that's almost pretty much a done deal. So the deals continue for FC Barcelona and this crazy offseason. 
certainly seems that way. I've just been reading about, about Emerson and it seems that that's pretty much agreed. But I guess uh, it's not really a surprise given that it's it was practically a fire sale, wasn't it, at Barcelona? Yeah. Pretty much everybody was for sale. And obviously uh, the most surprising one, of course, was Messi. But but yeah, um, I guess Barca just need the money, really. Yeah, everything must go, right? I mean, we we, we kind of talked about it last season just about we didn't know the dire need of the, the the financial needs of Barcelona. But, you know, obviously with Laporta winning the election and obviously the summer just with the fire sale, we see that, you know, every penny costs, you know, every penny is needed. Uh, you know, I definitely thought Emerson was a bright player to help with the team going forward, but it looks like they're satisfied with Dest and maybe a rotation of Sergio Roberto. How are you feeling about Emerson heading to your team, the Spurs? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Obviously, from a Barca perspective, um, even though, um, you know, the, the Betis look like they're going to get a chunk of that money, uh, you have to say if it's 30 million euros or if it's 25 million euros, something like that, that's still a decent amount of cash for Barcelona. They're going to look at that position and think, as you say, that they're pretty well covered with Dest, uh, Sergio Roberto, but also Minguesa can can play there. So maybe they're covered. Maybe that's that that's the view. And yeah, from a, a Tottenham perspective, I think he'll be good. I, I've liked pretty much what I've seen of him so far. Um, at Betis, uh, Barca wasn't so good in, in the last game, but overall, um, he's been pretty good. And I think it's a, a position that Tottenham have been looking to strengthen in. So um, yeah, positive, I think, from a Tottenham perspective. For sure. So I, I wanted to get you on because... I, I always enjoy speaking football with you and getting your perspective because you're just you're not a Barcelona fan, so I like to get the outside perspective of this. And we Barcelona has just won their or have their first three matches. They won two and tied one. And before I had you on, I kind of was doing a quick monologue about this transition period in Barcelona's history, and I equate it to having you know a Hall of Fame player like, for my example, was the 49ers having Joe Montana, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever played. And then when he left that transition, what happened? And that's what I equate what's going on with Barcelona. We had Barcelona had one of the best midfields of all time with Xavi and Iniesta. And then one of the best players, Messi, and now they're all gone. And seeing these first three matches kind of reminds me of how difficult it really is to, to really find world-class midfielders just to string possession. Because in these first three matches, Barcelona have had a really tough time using their possession to really get quality attacking opportunities. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I think it's going to take some adjustment, isn't it? You know, you're talking about not just the best player in Barcelona's history, but the best player in history, you know, certainly in my opinion as, as well. I'm sure you'd agree. And so uh, there's, it's always going to be a transitional season after that. But I do think that Barcelona have probably been in transition now um, for, for a couple of seasons, really, certainly since... Uh, you would say since since Valverde left, since um, Suarez was sold, and then with Kuman coming in last season as well, and as you say, you know the Xavi Iniesta leaving uh, before that also. So um, I think the midfield actually um, is in pretty good shape. Certainly with uh, obviously Busquets, you know you got the two uh, ends of the spectrum. You have Busquets who's coming to the end of his career, but he remains so important for Barcelona and also for Spain. We saw how important he was for Spain at the Euros. And then you've got uh, Pedri coming in, so young, uh, still only 18, 
um, but but really really important as well in in that midfield. And obviously he's been been given a, a well deserved break uh, because he just hasn't stopped, has he? In a whole year yeah. of playing the Euros, the Olympics, uh, full season with Barca, everything. And um, but uh, you know he's going to be a big player for them uh, over the next few years. And of course Frankie de Jong, who's um, really coming on. Um, after a little bit of a slow, slow start, I guess, at Barca. So I, I think the midfield is in pretty good shape. When Busquets leaves, of course, that's going to be, um, he's going to be very, very difficult to replace. But there's also um, some exciting youngsters coming through at uh, La Masia. So, um, yeah, it's just getting used to um, life without Messi uh, <laughs> because he wasn't just a goal scorer, he was a creator, he did everything. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, massive shoes to fill, definitely. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting with the midfield because, yes, when you look on paper, you have Busquets, the veteran, you have Pedri, the young starter, and then De Jong, right? That it should it should work, right? But I, I still feel like sometimes in some matches, like, for example, Athletic Bilbao, I know the Sama Mez is, is a tough place to play for Barcelona, but I just feel that they still cannot string passes along and they're having that possession problem. Against Real Sociedad, they look fine. Right, because I don't think Real Sociedad was really pressing him that that high in the first match. So this is something to watch for because also when they have to rotate, that's also going to be an issue. So like on you know the starting midfield, I think is pretty strong, but then when they have to to substitute, let's say Sergio Roberto midfield, I think they lose something uh, from that. And I think it was pretty evident yesterday's game, just the lack of possession and also the lack of just passes being strung up to the front. But I you know I want to. As I always say, I don't want to just be so negative. So let's talk a little positive. Memphis, obviously, mm-hmm. I was kind of before just because I had the the memory of Memphis's uh, history at Manchester United. I just didn't think he was going to be a good player. After we after we signed him, I looked him up in our Y Scout um, scouting thing, and I was really blown away about his numbers before and after Manchester United. And obviously, he's been scoring. I scored two goals already for Barcelona. What has kind of impressed you about Memphis so far? Did you think he was going to be as good already entering in, into his Barca career? Sure. Uh, just uh, one little comment on your your midfield uh, yeah. um, opinion there. No, I, I would agree with you. And I think it can definitely be can definitely improve. I think it will come with experience. But I also think it's coaching. And um, yeah, that is, is probably on, on Koeman. Um, you know, we saw with with Guardiola, for example, in charge. It doesn't ma- didn't matter how young the players were; uh, they kept the ball, didn't they, all of the time? So uh, I think it's probably a, a coaching concern as well. Uh, with Memphis, I guess it's a positive that he's working with Kuman. They they know each other very well, and uh, like you, have been very impressed with him with this hot start at Barca. And I think um, he's perhaps surprised a lot of people, but um, I think a lot of people probably t- didn't watch him closely during his time in France. A lot of people don't watch the French League, don't watch Ligue 1, didn't watch Lyon. Uh, but he's been very, very good in France for a number of years. And um, if you only caught him maybe um, earlier on in his career at Manchester United and are now just seeing him again, uh, yeah, you know, it's a, a completely different player uh, to the one we, sh- we saw at Old Trafford. And um, yeah, I've, uh, I've been impressed with him. I think he's going to be really, really important in this, uh, this post-Messi era, definitely. Yeah, it's a good point because, you know, I don't really follow league on that much. And when I looked up his numbers, just the consistency he had at goal scoring really made me excited and just kind of seeing his positioning. And then obviously these last matches, just seeing what he can provide on the left side and also just the physicalness. I think I wasn't I didn't think that he was going to bring it that much, but he can, 
he's almost like a younger version of Suarez in the physicality. It kind of reminds me of that, where he's able to use his back to ball. He's able to use the speed that he has and just create havoc on that, uh, you know, for defenses, especially, especially when we, that little step over move he did on that goal was, was really nice just to have the defense stop and then just find a hole and then score that. So I'm really excited to see what he can bring. Uh, do you think he's a legitimate Pichichi contender? I think he could be, you know, he's, um, he's made a strong start, as you say, and he has a little bit of everything, which I think is, is exciting. You mentioned his physicality. He has the, the strength. He has the trickery, um, mm. really uh, good footwork. Uh, you know, he can um, set up others. He, he has goals. He has assists. So, you know, potentially, uh, I think you'd be hoping for him to score um, a lot of goals. Obviously, um, with Messi gone, uh, with, with, with Suarez gone, obviously you've got Brathwaite in the team. Ansu Fati's come back. Griezmann, I know you wanted to talk about not <laughs> really doing it so far. So uh, somebody has to score the goals. And uh, so far, he's, um, he's stepped up. So that's, that's important, definitely. What a perfect transition, right? What a perfect transition, Ben. <laughs> we'll go right into it. And I, you know, I was talking in my monologue before uh, I started speaking with you is that I think Kuman's most important job right now is to unlock Griezmann. Because Griezmann is a world-class player, right? And mm. so far, zero shots, zero assists. And yes, he's been working hard on defense. But I just feel like there's always this lack of confidence in him. And I just don't get it because he has a proven record of being a world-class player. He's still young enough. It's not someone that is over the hill. And I just don't understand why players don't find him. What is there? Like, What do you see from the outside what maybe Kuman can do tactically or formation wise, or is it just a matter of Griezmann is just needs to hold on to the ball more or find the ball more? You do wonder if a better coach than Kuman might be able to, to get more out of Griezmann certainly, but there've been doubts haven't there about him and about his suitability, suitability um, to Barcelona's style ever since the start, really if you go back to, to when he came in, obviously with Messi and Suarez he was a forward who also worked hard defensively. I mean, he still does that. And that was sort of his role uh, because um, Messi didn't uh, con contribute a lot defensively to the team. Uh, he did on occasions and Suarez the same, really. And obviously, they're both uh, a bit older. So to have a forward who could link up but also would work hard defensively, I think, was, was very important. Now uh, that they've gone, uh, you wonder really what, what he can offer. I mean, obviously, it sounds ridiculous. World-class attacker. We've we've seen him for um, you know, over a decade in La Liga, scoring goals, um, you know, assisting, uh, being really important in, for Real Sociedad, for for uh, Atletico Madrid. But in for the way that Barca plays, uh, you you still wonder if he really fits. And um, look at the teams that he's excelled in, and they're they're more counter-attacking teams. Sure. Um, even the French national team isn't, um, you know, a lot of their success has been, um, you know, on the counter. It's a different role that he's played. So, um, yeah, it's frustrating because a lot of people thought that with um, with Messi leaving, it was Griezmann's time uh, sure. to step up. And, um, yeah, Koeman's got a, a dilemma there because um, maybe if he could try to play Griezmann a little, a little bit deeper centrally, um, with uh, Depay and, and uh, Brathwaite maybe further forward and, and that could work. But certainly at the moment, it's not happening and you wonder if it will. 
Yeah, again, it just frustrates me because I've seen what he's done, right? I mean, I've watched La Liga for a long time and just seen his success at Atletico Madrid, right? And I don't know if it's just as simple as just putting him in with a, a duo forward, you know, like with Depay basically, or like you said, move him a little bit deeper so he gets more involved. But again, I just don't understand, like this should be Kuman's number one priority because if he can get Griezmann playing at a world-class level along with Depay, all of a sudden those issues of maybe lack of scoring from Messi – those get canceled out because all of a sudden now you have those two involved. And, and I just, I just don't know what he's watching, you know, and I, and this is kind of, I don't know. It's one of my pet peeves when I see coaching. I don't know if you saw yesterday during the hydration break, but he was speaking to the players and it just drove me crazy. The advice he was giving, he was basically saying, which is going to lead me to my next question about the defense. But he said, if you're going to get beat foul, right. And I'm just like, <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> is it that simple? I mean, I don't, I don't, we're world-class players. Like, I, I don't know. I, I still – I know Kuman is restricted with the roster, but I still think Kuman needs to kind of, as I like to say, wild out a little bit with some of the tactical formations because this is the time to do it because he has an excuse built in because we don't have the top-class players as, we, as Barca normally does. Yeah, that's a good point that you made, Gabriel. I think uh, when you don't have uh, – I mean, I think Barca's squad is still strong. Yeah, yeah, wrong, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, you're right in that it's not as strong as in previous years. And then how can you improve it? And, and coaching is the way to improve it and uh, getting the best out of all of the players. So that that also comes down uh, to coaching. You know, Griezmann is a world-class player. And, um, and you do think that – that Koeman could get more out of him. In terms of the fouls, I mean, that's something that all top teams do. Even, <laughs> yeah, yeah. even, even um, you know, even Guardiola teams, they, they make a lot of, of fouls and, and tactical fouls. So I, I, I guess it's important. But um, but yeah, you, you'd be hoping for, for more from Griezmann and yeah, getting him more involved. Um, perhaps, like I said, I mean, dropping him a bit deeper. But I wonder if he's one of those players who, who needs um, spaces uh, to be yeah. able to... Uh, to really impress. And um, that's something, you know, remember Alexis Sanchez at Barcelona uh, didn't, wasn't quite the success that people thought he was going to be for that reason. He didn't really, really suit them. And um, yet this is what Griezmann's third season now. Yeah. And it, it hasn't gone as well as planned. So, um, and there's yeah, a few yeah. like that, isn't there as well? So for I, sure. I would, I would say now that uh, at this point, his place is definitely under threat. Yeah, and I would just I would just throw out this caveat: it's three coaches too in three seasons, so that's the other thing too. And the three coaches have not been able to unlock him either. You know, before Kuman, obviously, you can say set the end in Valverde, but again, we'll see. I'm I'm just again with all the technology and the scouting and the things. I I just figured out that they could do it. You know, that they could unlock him somehow. But this kind of goes to my next issue because you know, obviously, the sexiness of goals is always and attacking is always what gets it. But more importantly, I think what I'm struggling to see is any improvement on the defense. And, you know, obviously I just told you that quick uh, antidote about Kume talking about the foul, but mm. more t for me, when I watch them on defense, every time another team counters, I feel that the other team's going to score. And that's not a good feeling, Ben. That's not a good feeling as a mm. Barca fan to, to, no, to right. always feel that. And I just don't understand it is simply that a, they're not tough enough. And I don't want to just to make it so it sounds so basic because I know they're world-class players and that's not really what it is. But it's something about like the organization and the communication that I see that they constantly get wrong on counterattacks, especially in the goal yesterday against Hitafe, where there was a miscommunication about who's going to go where. Jordi Alba shows up late and then all of a sudden they score. But that was their first attacking opportunity and one goal and then they tie the game. So 
what do you see, you know, especially maybe these three matches or even under Kuman's era, what are they lacking on defense? Because Kuman is a defender, right? I mean, he was a, I mean, not the typical defender, you know, different type of defender, but I mean, yeah. that I would think that would be his specialty in just trying to get this team better defensively because again, they're scoring goals, but they're also giving a lot of goals up. Yeah, he was an atypical uh, yeah. defender, wasn't he? I mean, he was uh, a very attacking. He was almost more like a midfielder. Sure. Uh, his style of play. And, uh, you know, he played in a Barcelona team, which actually uh, was brilliant, the, the dream team uh, under Cruyff. But they did concede a lot of goals as well. They just scored more. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, it's it's you can't really play that kind of football these days and uh, without getting punished for it. Um, but I agree with you. There are definitely concerns when it comes to communication. Um, yeah, it's it's been this way for a while now. I'd say under Kuman, but also going back under under Setien as well. You remember the, the, the game against Bayern when yeah. every time Bayern attacked, they scored <laughs> yeah. seemingly pretty much. And um, they're far too vulnerable. And... Um, Definitely concern. You worry about the uh, the lack of pace as well in the defence. Obviously, uh, PK remains so important, but he's not the quickest. Long lays is pretty slow, and even Eric Garcia is not the quickest either. So, um, yeah, he also, uh, he also Garcia Garcia also showed that he wasn't physical enough against Inaki Williams. I mean, Inaki Williams took him to yeah. lunch. I mean, that, and that, that that's concerning, you know, because like you said, lack of pace, but also like I feel that you know Barca always had the intelligence factor to be able to identify different things so that even though they weren't the fastest, they can identify plays ahead of time. But for example, against Hitafe yesterday, there was maybe three or four plays where I felt the defense wasn't expecting or had never seen this type of attack and they got used. And I just felt like Hitafe could have scored even one or two more goals, especially. So yeah, for me, yeah, as a Barca fan, it's concerning. Yeah. I think yeah. that's been, I think that's been the way now for, for quite a few years and also if you look at the midfield it's they're, physically they're, they're they're not the biggest they have other qualities uh sure. the, there's there's also a lack of pace there and because they play so high up the pitch uh then they're vulnerable so um yeah it's it's difficult <laughs> and then like, going back to this defense the other thing too is on set plays i mean i i feel i get like a nervous knot you know because i always feel like the other team just has a supreme advantage in the air on these set plays. And, you know, again, if Barca really wants to compete this year at this level, you know, doing everything, they have to really shore up the defense. And again, I, I, I don't know if it's just as simple as like, they just need to be tougher or maybe foul more. I, I don't know. Like, but this is, like you said, this is happening for the, the past three years. Do you, let me really quickly, and we'll go on to the next topic. Do you see TT getting any playing time this season? That's what they need, right? Um, <laughs> peak, peak Umtiti was so I know, good, I miss wasn't him. he? He was yeah. so good. I mean, that, he was. that first season under... I think, a lot of Barca, I think a lot of Barca fans just forget about how great of a season he had before the World Cup. Of how he was like, if you were going to build a futuristic center back, he would have been it. And unfortunately, you know, because of the whole contract thing, he's become definitely the whipping boy for Barca. But I, I still think he has value for, for some rotation. I don't think he's so out of it that he can't be used. But do you, I mean, do you, would you say over under maybe five matches this season that he gets? Uh, yeah, you would hope that he gets <laughs> more than that. But I would agree with you that, you know, obviously things haven't gone to plan. The first season was wonderful and he was an absolute rock at the back. And just, you say, the, the, had everything that you would mm -hmm. want in the centre back. And um, 
then he I guess he he forced his fitness, didn't he, to yeah. to be to play at the World Cup. And he admitted that himself. And then he didn't want to have an operation. Barca wanted him to have an operation. And he's never been the same player since. And yeah, yeah, you hope that that he can get it back. Obviously, I think his knee has improved since last year, since uh, with all the problems that he's had. And yeah, you know, hopefully he can can come in and do a job because he's the kind of guy that you would want uh, at set pieces. And, yeah. Um, Obviously, if, if if he's fully fit, then he, he has good pace as well. So, um, hopefully. And obviously, Araujo is a, another good option and uh, adds a bit more height in there as well. So, um, I think he can be important. Uh, but it's I guess it's, it's settling on a, on a first-choice pairing. And, uh, yeah, let's see how well they can do. I don't think... Uh, is anybody likely to come in at this no. stage? I guess not. no. But let me ask you this. I mean, why does there have to be a first pairing? I mean, I know that's the traditional way to do it. But to me, I would rather see all these players just get rotation because as we've seen, PK's hurt. I don't think there's a really a strong pairing that I would say is like elite for the team right now. But like to me, I, you know, I know football managers are really set in their ways with different things, you know, and I think this is one of those things with the set pairing. I know it helps with chemistry, communication and stuff. But at the same time, mm-hmm. like Barcelona is playing so many matches that you can just rotate between those players, keep them fresh. And if there is an injury, you just slide the next person up and there's no kind of instance. I don't know. That's I'm always trying to use like a basketball and American football ideas into football that haven't been developed yet. And this is kind of one of those things of just use rotation and rest and this type of thing that still doesn't happen in European football yet. Yeah, I think, Gabriel, you have to find a balance between the two sure. because um, your know, rotation is obviously important. It's it's no use having uh, 11 good players anymore because the, the season is long and you have several different competitions and it's so important. It's a squad game, um, obviously. But at the same time, having a, a first-choice partnership, I think, I think it boosts confidence. I think the, the familiarity of it, of playing w- with a, a partner week in, week out, uh, certainly... Um, Obviously, if you can have somebody else who comes in uh, and it's the same, then great. But um, but I do think there are benefits to having, you know, obviously you go back to to, to PK and, and Puyol together, how, how good they were, the chemistry they had. Um, I guess there isn't a partnership like that at the moment at, at Barcelona. But ideally, I think you would have two two starters and then uh, one or two other guys who, who could come in and, and rotate without too much of a change. But I think the more um, uh, the more familiarity you have at the back, uh, you're going to eliminate mistakes and you're going to breed confidence and understanding as well. So I do think that's important. Yeah, I was uh, discussing with a friend of mine. He was asking me how good was Puyol, and I'm like, man, what kind of question is this? Because he's not a he's not a, a Barca fan. So I was I was trying to explain to him how good he was. Uh, really quickly, we finished with just kind of your La Liga thoughts. I mean. Before you came on, I was just talking about how wide open La Liga is this season, more than I can remember. I think maybe, you know, before, like, when Deportivo La Coruña won La Liga, even like 2004, 2005 style, where, like, every team was good. There was a lot of parity in the season. And right now we have six teams with seven points and a bunch of others with five. I know it's still early. You know, this always happens. Like, the teams like Mallorca and Osasuna, they start off start. You know, they start off hot because – they're fresh, but obviously the longevity of the season, you know, it's, it's basically a marathon, but man, I, 
you know, I kind of am really excited about this parody of La Liga because I, I, you know, in the last 15 years, it's always been Barca, Madrid, and Atletico. And I, I like this kind of wide openness. Do you have any teams outside the top four that we should watch out for to maybe monitor and that might surprise us maybe getting into that top four spot? Mm, difficult. You know, I think Valencia uh, have a chance. Obviously, they've made a very strong start. They've had a chaotic few years, haven't they? Oh, um, no. uh, but uh, you know, they've got Bordalas as coach. Um, you know, they're they're going to be industrial this season. Let's be honest. What uh, a great what a great word. What a great word. Industrial. <laughs> Love it. Love it. That is so perfect. That describes them perfectly. Yeah. Do you think so? Yeah. Well, yeah for, um, sure, for, I, sure, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I think they. He's going to make them very hard to beat. And obviously they've had, despite everything and the chaos, and they've just lost uh, Kang and Lee as well. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're behind the scenes, things are not ideal at Valencia, as we know. But um, you know, I think he's going to make them very competitive. So um, I, I think definitely Valencia will be, be a contender. Um, Villarreal uh, under Emery, uh, very good uh, first season last year. They won the Europa League. And I think they, they can challenge for that top four. But I do think, um, you know, Barca, Madrid, Atletico and Sevilla are the ones, um, you know, th- obviously the, those are the top four from last season and Sevilla look even stronger perhaps than they were last year. So, uh, yeah, it is wide open. I think any of those four teams really could could challenge for the title. And, um, yeah, if last year was wide open, it seemed like it was. Uh, then this year, I, th- I would say it's it's even more wide open. And I just think that's great for La Liga, though. Really great. Yeah, for sure. And again, I'm, you know, my personal preference has always been La Liga just because of the, the skill. Like, I just like the skill that these players have in comparison to other leagues. And again, like you said, I think Valencia is going to be a thorn in everyone's side this year because, like you said, Bordelas is going to take that Hitafe mentality. He has you know basically an upgrade in roster right because that's essentially you know and just like that's such a great word being industrial as much as possible (laughs) right because they're going to throw elbows you know they're going to be tough and they're going to fight for those one points where maybe before they didn't have that mentality and so i think that's a really good decision for him to move up there i'm 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 interested to see how Madrid does because you know everyone now is talking, especially here in Madrid, about how Vinicius has turned the corner. I'm still, you know, it's only been three matches, and yes, he has been playing, he's been converting goals, but man, their their midfield and their team still, you know, I I still think they're very vulnerable in the back. But like you said, I would say Sevilla looks really strong just because of the they're basically the same team from last season. They've made some really nice additions. And yeah, I think it's pretty much wide open. And that's the thing. Every match, especially with from Barca's point of view, is going to be highly contested. I mean, when I look at this table, I don't see really that many easy wins. Maybe home against Alaves and maybe home against Hit- Granada. Maybe, you know, but everyone else is going to give Barca yeah. a hard time. Uh, speaking of teams and player, any players that you kind of had your eye on maybe going into this season? Anyone that's kind of gave you a twinkle in your eye for 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 this yeah, season i think um um at atletico i think rodrigo de paul is going to be um a very exciting addition uh for them he's um obviously signed from udinese mm-hmm. um argentine international i think he's just the the kind of player who will excel under simeone so he's one to watch and mateus cunha i think is also a good signing for them fresh from uh, helping brazil to the 
to the Olympic title. I think Eric Lamella uh, at Sevilla, I think obviously he's made a strong start uh, with, with um, some goals already. I think he's an interesting signing and seems perhaps better suited to La Liga than, than he was to the Premier League. For sure. Uh, Vinicius, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, he's always an exciting player to watch, but I guess from a, a Real Madrid um, point of view, he can be a very frustrating player to watch as well. So let's see if he can live up to the uh, to the excitement of his early start. I think uh, I mentioned also uh, Kang in, in Lee, who's left Valencia uh, to join Mallorca. He, um, you know, go back a year, a couple of years, um, you know, was looked at as one of the most exciting young players in the world. So, um, you know, um, let's see how he can do uh, at Mallorca. As you said, they've made a good start and uh, they're going to be an interesting one to watch this season. So uh, I think there's a lot of storylines. Obviously, La Liga's lost Messi, uh, Ramos uh, and, you know, lost a, a bit of sparkle in that respect. But I think it's going to be as exciting as ever. And I still think there's going to be a lot of storylines and a, a lot of exciting players to watch. Yeah, for sure. And I think also it's the moment, too, for the kind of players under Messi for the last two years to really step up and kind of take that mantle. Like I'm thinking of Iñaki Williams, for example. I think it's his turn to really take over and be the, one of the superstars, super superstars of La Liga. Because when I watch him, I get very excited. Just the pace that he has is just unreal. And, you know, he's yeah. not he's not he doesn't have the greatest midfield, you know, and what he's able to do with Athletic Bilbao is always very impressive. Also, some of the youngsters from Real Sociedad and also just... Yeah, Isaac you know, as well. At Real exactly, Sociedad, exactly. And then also Moreno from Villarreal. I think this is also a moment where, like, we saw that he was able to, you know, last season really kind of put a really great campaign together. And I think these are the moments where, you know, these this is the time for these players to really step up and make a name for themselves because we're looking for that now, you know, especially with Messi and like you said, Ramos being gone, these superstars of La Liga for the past 15 years. So, so again, I'm, I'm really... Definitely. And from a from a, a Barca perspective, there's a few of those as well. You know, obviously there's Pedri yeah. who, who broke through last year, but there's, uh, there's Gavi and Nico who both look like very exciting prospects in the midfield as well. So uh, there's, there's definitely a lot to like. Yeah, for sure. I just, you know, oof, Pedri's matches last season, he played over 75. So again, he needs a vacation, you know, so a well-deserved vacation. I'm really excited for him, obviously, to see what he can bring. But yeah, like you said, there's this season should be really great. Uh, ben, thanks for the time uh, for speaking to us. Uh, where can they follow you on Twitter? What's your Twitter handle again? Yeah, thanks, Gabriel. It's a pleasure as always. And uh, my Twitter is BG Hayward. And yeah, you can follow me there. I haven't been very active recently, but I shall be back soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for talking with me about FC Barcelona and La Liga. Uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, take care, man. Speak to you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.